Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Liam, another fantastic weekend of football in the books. Uh, what do you make of the championship games? They, they were great, Rich. Um, I don't know about you, but the Bengals coming back was uh, a great, crazy game to go back and watch um, after, afterwards. Um, I picked the Chiefs. I changed my pick midweek, and that cost me a lot of places. So how about you, Rich? How did you find the games? Yeah, it was nice. It was, um, you know, we, 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 we always talk about the divisional round being my favourite and uh, it feels like the championship games are sometimes a bit of a, a damp squib. But um, yeah, it was nice to have two really good games, two close games. Um, hard, hard to complain, really. But uh, eagle-eyed viewers of you on the live stream will spotted. We've been joined by not one, but two fantastic guests. So uh, today we're going to be uh, introducing you to the 2022 rookie class, I thought. What better than to get the uh, the wonderful guys over from Five Yard College? So, uh, so join us. We've got Stocks and George. So, George, we'll come to you first. How you doing, mate? I'm good. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks to you for both for having us on. And um, I can't wait to deep dive into these rookies with you and see what you think of them. Yeah, very, very excited to uh, to have a chat through some of these guys. And uh, and obviously the main man, Stocks. How's everything going this evening? Yeah, it's good. I mean, obviously, we should start by saying Ash was supposed to be here, 
But once again, he's bailed on the whole operation in some <laughs> venture up to the middle of England. So thanks very much, bud. Again, you've dropped us in it. This is becoming a bit of an occurrence. But like, like George said, happy to be here talking rookies. Love ourselves some rookies. And, you know, it's, it's a family occasion at Five Yards. So we're here to, uh, to chat some football and specifically rookies. I'm. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I was just going to skip over Ash completely and, uh, and not give him a mention <laughs> as, he, as he vowed. But, uh, but I'll, I'll let you do that. So, uh, Liam, before we dive into to talking through some rock, some rookies, have you uh, have you got a cocktail of the week for this uh, fine occasion? I do. So this is a half drank uh, Moscow Mule. I did drink a lot of it before the show. Um, I made it about half an hour, and I knew that it wasn't going to make it to the show. So. Uh, bad podcasting for me so all you need to do to make this one is you just need vodka lime juice and ginger beer stir it together in an iced glass or a chilled glass should i say Um, and it is really nice rich how do you feel about that because it's not pink yeah i mean it's not really much of a cocktail is it you know very simple you you are going to get absolutely destroyed on twitter because whenever i mention cocktails someone mentions a moscow mule stocks is it your go-to drink of choice by any chance well i mean it's very easy to make let's be honest you don't have to be a a cocktail artist to (laughs) to to make it and and it's one you can make it in a massive jug and just have it all night long so we we make it but we drink it in a copper mug liam so i don't know if that is that is that illegal or no, I just don't have a copper mug else. It'd be in a copper mug myself. Fair, Good fair enough. <laughs> Mo- moving on from the cocktail talk, <laughs> should we? Uh, should we dive into significant news, Lim? Yeah. So um, Rich told me to keep it short and sweet. So <laughs> I'm going to. However, I am going to rip him for saying we need to keep it short and sweet when Tom Brady, arguably the goat, um, has retired officially. We had a bit of a false start on that uh, news story from Adam Schefter and then it came out later today and again I didn't believe him when it first came out so I had to wait for NFL insiders like Ian Rappaport to actually report it before I believed it. Um, Rich I know you went through years of pain as a Jets fan watching him so I'll have to come to you first just to rub it in a little bit. Are you happy this has come? I mean, it's about time, isn't it? I kind of wish he'd retired 20 years ago, to be honest. It would have saved me a lot of pain. But, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. The guy's been incredible, an incredible career. Um, yeah, just pleased to see the back of him. And then um, just another bit of news I wanted to touch on. So Sean Payton has stepped away from football. Now, we all know that Sean Payton was a, a great head coach and although he's under contract till 2024, I believe. He stepped away this this year. So whether he comes back, I think he's left that door open a little bit. I think he wants to try in the media, but Kamara value, do you think that's going down? Yeah, I think it's dropped him a little bit. Um, I don't think trade value-wise, it's, it's changed a huge amount. He's dropped down a couple of spots for me, but uh, but but not, not massively. Anyway, Rich... As you wanted to keep the significant news short and sweet. Oh, stocks go on. Question. As I'm on a fantasy podcast again, I figured I should throw something fantasy related in because <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Michael Thomas, because Sean Payton's gone now, what do we expect to happen to him? Is he still going to be gone? <laughs> I, who, who knows with Michael Thomas, to be honest? I, I have absolutely no clue. I think with that contract, I don't think he's going anywhere unless he's traded. 
and I can't see anybody willing to pay anything significant to go and get him at the moment. So I think that certainly for next year, with the way the contract's structured, he's going to be in New Orleans. Um, who's going to be throwing him the ball? Who the hell knows? Um, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Who the hell knows? But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly excited about Michael Thomas for next year. Yeah, so he's got a 22.7 million cap, a uh, dead cap hit if he were to get traded or cut next or this year. And then it goes down to 13.8 and 14.9. So if anything happens, I'd expect that to be in 2024. And so I don't know whether that answers your question, Stocks, but you're probably holding on to him and hoping for a good quarterback to land there. It feels as if it should be a buy moment. You should be trying to buy Michael Thomas cheap should something happen, right? Because people are going to want to be giving up stuff, anything, if you're offering something, if he's essentially, they're worried he's not going to play. So now is surely it's only arrow up for Michael Thomas because it can't go any further down, right? Because he's not if he doesn't play, it's no worse than the year just gone. Absolutely. I think any time a player's value is this low, it's it's worthwhile buying. Um, but I just don't know what you're expecting out of him. Um, because any time he's been on the field, he's been fantastic. But he, he basically decided not to play last year with when he got his surgery and, and that kind of thing. He basically mailed in last year. And I just wonder if we've kind of seen the last of him, you know, if, if you're able to get him for like a mid to late second and someone's just completely out on him, they were fine. I'd pay that. But I do wonder, and I'm a little bit concerned that the Michael Thomas owner in your league is probably thinking that they need at least a first. And at that point I'd, I'd much, there's much more targets that I'd feel comfortable with targeting than him. Noted. Thank you, gentlemen. So uh, let's move on. So as Rich said, introduction to 2022 rookies. So first of all, George, let's come to you. We've got on our list Matt Corral, quarterback for Mississippi. He's 23 years old. He's 6'1 and 205 pounds. What do you have to tell us about him in general um bear in mind i haven't watched any tape on anyone from this rookie class so i'm going off your your guys opinions <laughs> right now no, no pressure then um <laughs> matt corral is interesting because like when he came into this season i was looking forward to seeing if he could make that step up and the, the first few games it looked like well probably four or five games it looked like he had done it looked like he'd ironed out a few of his problems you know like his like his ina- inaccurate throwing you know like he'd, he'd off target with with things and it looked like he were going to become the number one. And like, I know some people have still got him as a number one, but I just saw him kind of like, I wouldn't say his wheels totally came off, but you can see these um, problems creeping back in into the back end, you know, like he hasn't got the, the greatest deep ball. Like it's, it's decent, but it's so, it's so off target at times, you know, like he, he overthrows. Josh just, Allen. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the inaccuracies. He, he tends to bounce around in the pocket. And I think if he can cut that out, it probably would be more accurate. And it's just just the throws behind receivers. He never seems to put his... Well, I'd say never. That's, that's a bit harsh. Obviously, it will sometimes. But a lot of the time, he never seems to put his receivers in the best positions. But there is definitely something there with Matt Corral. I, I do like him. He just needs to work on these things. And it's things that can be that can be worked on. But it just... 
it just because he crept in again. It's it, you know, from what we've seen in the past, it's just that's the only thing that concerns with him. Apart from that, he's like his his arms unbelievable. He throws at different angles. You know, he's he's, he's good. Obviously, the dual threat. You know, running. But yeah, it's just a few concerns there. But it can, like I said, it can be stuff that's that can be worked at the next level. But just because it keeps creeping back after a good start, just a bit of a concern really for me. I think that. I, I like the potential of Matt Corral. You know, he's got a very tight motion, quick release. I love that. I think he's got a good arm. I don't think his arm strength is perhaps, you know, top tier. I, my biggest question for him, though, is I don't think he throws any other type of pass than the ball as hard as he can. Like, he, he has literally no touch at all on, on any passes from what I've seen, certainly. And I've, I appreciate I've only watched four games, but it, it looks to me like he is very much a one-speed thrower. And by that, it means he's putting everything into every throw and there's no, like, nuance to those, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, feather it in and behind a defender in order to get it there in the NFL. And it, it just feels like he doesn't have that. Do you think I'm being a bit harsh there, Jordan? No, I think it's, uh, I do, I have seen him like have a bit of touch now and then, but it is fair to say that he does like to laser things in a lot more than he needs to, you know, like he's something, it's not even just like, uh, it's just full on, like, I don't know how you're catching that. If you can, you're brilliant, you know, but yeah, I think it, you, you are right. It's fair. He has, he has shown a bit of touch and stuff, but he just needs a bit more. Just need, I think it's his game. If he goes on to the NFL, just needs a bit more to be well rounded. And obviously, that is the question going into the next level. Isn't it? We always see: is he going to be able to do that? He has got the talent, but is he going to be able to make it into a number one quarterback at the next level? That's, that is a big question. Do you, do you think stocks coming to you? Have you got any dream landing spots for for Corral at the next level? I mean, do we think his throwing? speed is part of the scheme at Ole Miss potentially with how they run their offense and they obviously like to throw the ball a lot it's all quick stuff if he's been taught from an early age at Ole Miss to get that ball out and get it gone quick they're going to be it'll be interesting to see how he does at the combine obviously with different drills and stuff there we might see something perhaps that you know Justin Herbert we only thought he was maybe two-dimensional and actually came to the combine he's three-dimensional but for Matt Corral landing spot I mean, I've been so off of the NFL this season, I probably couldn't tell you who needs a quarterback. Who, But I don't know, somewhere where it's a much more of a passing game than it would be a running game. So Potentially at Carolina, where he's got those weapons and CMC out of the backfield and could fit into that. Yeah, you know. with, with the CMC factor there, you've got your extra receiver. Yeah, I could see that. Or... I'm just trying to think of somewhere else that runs a really fast passing offense that doesn't. Maybe if uh, if Lee's listening, stick fingers in your ears. But what about Miami to replace him? <laughs> <laughs> it's never happening. It's never happening. It's never happening. <laughs> I yeah, think that would be an ideal situation. I think for me, I think in terms of a system, that's the system that I, I think he needs to thrive in the NFL. I think if he can find a high RPO usage, rhythmic-based offence like Miami, I think he'd he'd work. I think my, my question is, is that I think you need a lot of accuracy and touch, which those are my biggest questions. But I think that's the system he needs where he's, he's not being asked to 
you know, make complex reads. He's not being asked to go one to two to three. He's literally sat, sit in, this is your read, there the ball's going, if not, take off. And I think that if, I, if he gets in there, he could be fantastic. Can I make a hypothetical, and you can tell me if this is completely wrong, if for some reason Denver trade for Kirk Cousins and Minnesota need a quarterback, would it be a good fit there with only possibly one or two reads and Dalvin Cook? Possibly. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if it's still North Turner's son, who's the OC up in Minnesota. I'm blanking on that, but I'd guess if it is, he's more of a, um, you know, lots of eight and nine routes and and getting the ball a bit deeper. So I'd I'd question that he wouldn't have the touch on that. But I, I get your thoughts in terms of limited reads. You know, he's not going to be going whole full reads because there's only a couple of options. But yeah, I'd. I'd I'd, I'd, I'd sit on the fence and say, I'm not really sure because I can't think who the OC is in Minnesota right now. I think Kubiak is the word you're looking for. Oh, it's Kubiak's son. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that could be a good, you know, that heavy zone usage um, with the passing game off it, lots of play action. That, that could potentially work. So, looking at, um, at just a PFF marks draft, what do you guys feel about the Steelers as a drunk landing spot? Put you on the spot there, Jordan. Um, do you like that landing spot in the NFL? Or uh, it, it could work. It could work, but I don't. I'm, no, I'm going to say no. It's it's one of them things. It's like I know I know I'm jumping ahead here, and I'm, I'm like you can go back after. It's like I'm looking at Sam Howell, and who's the next guy we're talking about? And he's played a lot of RPO, and it's and it's uh it, it's if he can jump at the next stage and, and do and play at different um, schemes and stuff. And obviously, well, we've seen what big big how big Ben played with, with the Steelers, and um, it, it could work. You know, like I say, with Rich, you know, he's like Rich said. He's, he has got question marks with his arm and his arm strength you know, downfield. Like I've seen him throw 50 yards and that's about as far as I've seen him throw, to be honest with you. So it's it'd be interesting to see if the, he, he needs to get the ball out quick. That That is that is a fact, you know, and that, that would work for what, what he is at the moment. But who, who knows at the next level what, what he can do and what someone can bring out of him. We'll take that as a perfect transition then, George. So, again, coming straight back to you, you've already uh, hinted at him, but we'll move on to Sam Howell now, quarterback for North Carolina. He is coming out at 21 years old, um, 6'1 and 225 pounds. So what can you tell me about him? Because I'm looking at mock drafts again on PFF and another offence that we've already mentioned. Um, He's going to the New Orleans Saints in this mock draft. Do you think that's a good landing spot? Is there anything that you can tell me about how that I need to be looking at when I'm looking at his tape? Anything I should probably probably keep an eye on um, that you expect to improve? Well, that that would be a nice landing spot. I think he'd probably go earlier. Like I've, I'm a lot higher on Sam Howell than a lot of other people. Probably like he's probably my QB one in this at the moment. You know. Um, there's a lot to like like with him, you know. Stop <laughs> shaking his head for the uh, non-visual uh, listeners. It's it's a, it's a weird quarterback class, isn't it? You know, there's um, it's it's not that there's no standout, but for me, Sam Howell's got a lot of good stuff, you know, going for him. And I, a lot of people have said he's had a down year this year, but he's like obviously you you were big uh, draft, draft big fantasy people. You saw the the guys that came out in North Carolina last year that he lost, and he's he's had. To, to work with new people and um, an offensive line that's just not been any good whatsoever this year. So he's been 
scrams in a lot, so his productivity has gone down a lot this year. But he's turned that into showing his dual threat ability this year. You know, he didn't really run much at all, and he's turned into a, a, a big, big rushing type this year. And I think, um, obviously, you, we've got some, I'm not going to spoil it again, but we've got another quarterback we're going to talk about <laughs> after. But um, he's actually beat him in a broken tackles, Sam Howell, as a, as a rusher this year. You know, when he when he puts the ball under his arm and he runs, he's, he's got the most broken tackles in the FBS as a quarterback. And... In his arms, brilliant. He's got the deep ball. He's um, he's accurate. He always puts, as I mentioned with Matt Corral, where he doesn't put his receivers in good positions. Sam Howell always puts his uh, uh, receivers in great positions to get the ball, get them extra yards, and that's something that I really like in quarterbacks. You know, to get it exactly running onto the ball where they want it. You know, and get and make them extra yards. Definitely, still some things to work on. You know, um, like I mentioned, he's, he plays the RPO system. You know, if he can land in a spot like that, it'd be brilliant. But he could maybe still land at other spots with, with schemes and still be good, but uh, I, I, there's, I, there's not much I don't like about Sam Howell. You know, obviously he needs some ironing out at the next level, but I, I really like him. I think that he's, for me, the most talented quarterback in this class without any question of a doubt. I think he is incredibly talented. My biggest issue is, is I've not seen him do like 80% of what he's going to need to do at the NFL level in college. It's it's such a, pro, a projection for him at the next level because that offense, from what I can see, was basically deep shots and RPOs. And, and there was nothing else within that. He At no point was he ever asked to make a progression read. At no point was he ever asked to, you know, read more than one player on a defense and make a decision based on that. And it basically feels like, in college, it was, we're going to run an RPO, we're going to throw a deep shot, or you're going to scramble. And and that was the offense. And at the NFL, that's just, that's just not going to fly. And that's my really big concern is, is that, you know, we've seen this year with, with Justin Fields, where he's had some challenges progressing through reads, and he's had some real challenges kind of getting rid of the ball correctly and has been holding the ball for far too long. And that's my concern with Sam Howell is, is that, is he going to be able to progress through reads correctly? And and the problem is, is it, it is pure projection because none of us are going to sit in a, you know, in an interview room and be able to to test him on the whiteboard. And it's just a case of, yes, that somehow could easily come out of this class as you know an elite level quarterback for the next 10, 15 years, but he could equally come out of this class as you know, a complete bust because I, I just don't know what to do with him, quite frankly. I mean, Stocks, are you are you a, a somehow believer or not? It kind of feels like there's sort of two camps forming within the, within the fantasy world at the moment. I think I am because if you go back to last season and you'd have asked me if I was going to take a quarterback in a Devi league for the, for the following year, who it would be, it would have, it would have been Sam Howell. I would, he would have been my number one and obviously Spencer Rattler then came out and then Spencer Rattler disappeared. But I think he's, like George mentioned, he's got, he does everything really well. Um, and for me, it's his toughness as well, what he's shown this year specifically in his games for North Carolina. And the ACC is no SEC in, in competition, but there is some good defences in the ACC. And the addition of his running game showed that additional toughness. And whilst he might not be a Lamar type of runner, because frankly, who is, he also 
that extra toughness is something I really like to see in my quarterbacks, especially if they offer the dual threat. So, like you say, he's got some stuff to work on, but I think for a fantasy prospect, he's probably he's probably my number two. Okay. Okay. So just from a point of view that I've not watched any tape, so if this is wildly inaccurate, feel free to have a go at me and shut up. But do you think that he's kind of like a Lance prospect? Just from hearing you talk, do you think he's more of a Lance prospect to knowing or he's, he runs a lot and that's where the game comes from? I can see Rich just shaking his head. So no, <laughs> completely, completely different completely different type of players. He's okay. he's a, a big physical quarterback that can scramble. Um, he is not Lance level rushing ability. That's no, no. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'll sorry on, to mate. shoot you down, but I think yeah, you probably probably need to go away and watch some tape live. That's uh, yeah. I'll, no. I'll move on. I'll move on. So um yeah. <laughs> Let's skip away from that. The next quarterback on our list is Malik Willis. So he went to Liberty. Um he's 23 years old, 6'1 and 215. So again, I <laughs> I haven't watched any tape, so I'm just going to have to throw it over to you, Stocks. Do you want to take this one away? Before I let the cork out of the rich bottle that is the Malik <laughs> Willis fan club, I will, I, yeah, I mean, this guy for fantasy is potentially the highest ceiling athlete in this class because he runs the ball really, really well. I mean, this year he had 878 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, but he's got he's got other good skills as well. He's got a quite a strong arm. Um, not only can he throw the deep ball, but he's got good speed and zip on the ball. It's He's six foot, but when you watch him play, sometimes it looks like he's lower than the offensive line and gets himself into a little bit of trouble, perhaps with seeing over. So we've seen Kyler Murray not struggle with that at all. So perhaps there's something that can be trained into him. Um, don't know that yet, but that can obviously sometimes affect his reads. And then occasionally he gets a bit flat-footed, which messes with mechanics and stuff. But otherwise, yeah, he can do everything. Uh, he hasn't necessarily faced the stiffest competition. So it's one of these things where we're not necessarily going to know until he gets into the NFL and he's hit by the bigger, faster guys as to what happens. But he does everything for me well enough to play in the NFL. It's just how we translate from college to the NFL that would be the big question. I think you've you've hit on my my one concern about Malik Willis there, Stocks, in that his footwork is we we could be honest and say pretty terrible, and I think that's yep. the reason why he looks shorter than he than he is, because I think that he's not one of these guys that that is able to proceed with the correct footwork and stand tall in the pocket because he's erratic with his footwork. He he's not got that true base in order to throw the ball, and that's why he kind of yeah. looks shorter because he's not he's not stepping forward off a straight leg, basically. Um, I think. Which is, in, sorry, go, go on. on. No, go on, go on. I was going to say I think it's improved across the last two years. I think he has shown improvements in that, but I still think he you know he's got a long way to go, and and yeah. that's my my biggest concern. Other than accuracy, which apart from Josh Allen, people don't tend to be able to, to improve from college to the pros. Yeah. I think footwork is, you know, people always go, oh, he's got poor footwork, he can improve. But it doesn't tend to improve massively once you get into the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's a weird one because he's he's such an explosive runner. He gets his offensive line out of trouble. He can hit the gap really fast and get on the move. It's almost bizarre how he isn't on his toes ready to go. 
with with ball uh, mechanics when throwing as he is when he's running. So you'd expect him to be, you know, not flat-footed and ready to either throw or run, whereas he seems to go from flat-footed to running. And you would expect there to be some sort of transitional talent between the two, whereas he doesn't seem to have that for me, which is, is, it's a difficult watch sometimes when you think, well, you could have thrown it there, but... <laughs> I think he's... The, the, the positive side, though, is that this guy, to me, he's got overall quarterback one in fantasy potential whereas I don't think any of these other guys have. He he is an absolute freak athlete when it comes to the ball in his hands. I don't think he's quite at Lamar either, but he's not far off that level. Um, but I also think he's got, you know, an elite arm in terms of strength and actually accuracy as well. He's one of these, as Jordan said, he, he, he can throw, his arm, throw from different body positions. He's not one that's, you know because of his poor footwork, he almost relies on the fact that he needs to throw from, from weird angles and things. Um, I just think that for me, if, if the NFL look at him and draft him in the first round, um, I'm all in. Um, I think he's, he's going to be my one one in Superflex leagues. I think he's, he's absolutely going to be my QB one because look, if, if I, we could play it safe and you could go for a, you know, someone that's probably going to be like a Mac Jones and have solid fantasy seasons every year and, and be okay, like the next guy we're going to talk about. Or you can swing for the fences. And and for me in Dynasty, if I've got an early pick, it means my team's probably not very good. I'm I'm swinging for the fences and going for that home run because if it pays off, I can quite quickly turn around and become a contender. George, do you think I'm I'm too hopeful and projecting too much on uh, on Willis? No, I think I think you both were absolutely right. He's got the highest ceiling in this class. He's just a long way off that ceiling at the moment in certain areas, but he has got the capabilities to get there. You know, like like you mentioned, his, his arm because he runs so much and makes plays with his with his legs so, so often. It's highlight reels. You forget how strong his arm actually is. He has actually got a really good arm. Obviously, there's inconsistencies there, like very raw, you know. But if you can iron them stuff out, <laughs> he's going to be a fantastic talent at the next level. That, that's for sure. It's just, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's definitely worth taking a chance on early on compared to the other three, you know, with the, the ceiling that he's got. So, George, I'm as as I haven't done any research, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure the <laughs> listeners will get tired of me saying this, I'm looking at mock drafts right now as we're doing it. I've got... PFF saying that he's going to be drafted 32nd to the Lions. I've got Fancy Pros saying that he's going to go 6th to the Carolina Panthers. And then I've got Pro Football Network saying that he's not going in the first round. So how much of a, I suppose, weighting would you put on him going in the first round compared to going second, maybe even later than that? I don't know whether that's too slanderous, Rich, because I don't want another earful of you. <laughs> me, me, me. Personally, I think he will be a first rounder. The Senior Bowl, obviously, this weekend is going to be a big plus for him, you know, to, to go up there. But for me, I think he's a dead-on first round. Someone will pick him up because of the ceiling he's got. But wherever he goes, I'm not going to be surprised because there's that much question mark with with what he what he is going forward. Yeah, the talent is definitely he's got the potential. But at the moment, we just no one knows. So uh, where, wherever he goes, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to me, but I would put my neck on the line and say it will be the first round, definitely. I, I could genuinely see him going 102. 
in the NFL draft. I could also see him going as a day three pick. Like I, I have such wide kind of range on where I think he could go because I have no idea what the NFL think of him. You know, they could one team only takes one team to fall in love with him at his potential of what he could be. Or, you know, all 32 teams could look at him and say, he's got terrible footwork. He's a project. We'll, we'll take him in day three kind of thing. It's, you know, I could be sitting here and, and not even drafting him when it comes to rookie drafts. So, as you've already mentioned him, Rich, or at least hinted, we'll move on to Kenny Pickett, another quarterback, the last quarterback that we're going to talk about. He is coming out of Pittsburgh, um, draft age of 24 years old. He's 6'3 and 220 pounds. So, throwing it over to you, Stocks, what do you think about Kenny Pickett? What can you tell me as someone that has mm. never watched anything? My guy, Kenny Pickett. This guy is hugely disrespected <laughs> by everybody in the football community right now. I mean, did you see what he did for Pitt this year? You think about the Pitt Panthers, you think defence, and you think running the football. This year, they didn't have a defence. They didn't run the football. And guess what? Their quarterback can make plays. They were superb all year. And yes, he's old, but he's got the composure. I mean, we Kenny Pickett does everything... I want from my quarterback. And he has a couple of throws a game where you think, Kenny, that was a terrible decision. And more often than not, they don't get into trouble. Will that happen in the NFL? Probably not because the talent is better. So there's more likely for trouble. But that could get ironed out. People think of Kenny Pickett as this guy who just sits stands in the pocket, very much like Matt Jones, just plods balls along. The guy can place a long ball 50 yards on the far corner of his receiver. No trouble at all. He can also make intermediate throws really quickly. He's got a great release. He also uses his legs. I mean, we, we think of this guy as a pocket player. Absolutely untrue. He can run. I think he had four or five running touchdowns this year, several hundred yards. Pitt did not run the football, yet Kenny Pickett did. If there is a landing spot in the NFL for this dude, he's staying at home. He's playing in Heinz Fields. He's staying with Pittsburgh. Just the whole thing fits absolutely perfectly. And... Uh, this guy, for me, is my quarterback one this year because I think his up... Yes, he doesn't have the Malik Willis upside, but I think the upside he has in the game he already has that can progress in the NFL is a little bit safer for me and I tend to build my teams a bit safer. So, there you go. I think I think maybe you've you've overhyped his rushing ability. Um, no, know. because people don't think he rushes it at all. So I've overhyped it from nothing. Yes, maybe a little. <laughs> okay, I think he, I think he, he averaged two yards a carry in college across his whole career. So, you know. Yeah, he's... but that was I'm talking last year. You've got to okay. take Kenny Pickett's okay. last year. He came back, which did his draft stock the whole world of good. Was a senior, smashed it. Yeah, I think I think look to, for me the first thing is the age. He's he's a year younger than Sam Donald, almost exactly. Sam Donald's been on two NFL teams. Is is going into his fifth year next year? Age and he's, is irrelevant. It's Tom not, Brady has literally just retired. Because right. if he was good enough, he'd have come come out younger. Um, I think. Look for me. I I just think that I'm always concerned when a guy produces when he's that much older than everybody else. I'm all about age adjusted production for college players and we're now putting him in a, a space in the NFL where he's going to be the same age as his peers. The only year he produced in college was when he was so much older and so much more experienced than everybody else on the field around him. Um, I think that for me, 
I, I just think he's going to be a, probably a decent NFL quarterback. And he's he's not going to be, you know, lighting it up in in the passing game. He's not, yeah, he, he might get a few short yardage touchdowns, but he's not going to be, you know, a dual threat quarterback. And I just think he's going to be a little bit boring. And he's probably going to... I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here in five years' time and he's he's finished every year in fantasy as like QB twenty four to thirty. And this he's respectful, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's throw it across to Jordan. I can see he's diving to jump in. I'm going to talk about the elephant in in. Well, if Kenny Pickett were here, he'd be in the room. <laughs> Obviously, I'm talking about the elephant in the room, and it's it's just facts. His hand size, the senior ball <laughs> measurement. His, his, his senior ball measurements came out today, and he's refused to measure his hands. There's been reports there's reasons why. Apparently, the room rumors are his hands are about eight and a quarter inches. There's no starting quarterbacks with hands nine inches or lower. There's one quarterback in the NFL that has nine that has hands nine inches or lower, and that's Jake Fromm. <laughs> the NFL balls are bigger. It, it, it sounds ridiculous that it keeps bringing up, but it is facts. It is it's, it's facts, and I do. And and Stocks is right. Everything that Kenny Pickett did in college this season was outstanding. He looked brilliant. But moving on to the next level, I just don't know. I just, I just, I just can't see it. I, I, it's weird because he does. He did everything so well in, in college, but there's just something in my head that's saying that I just, I just don't think this guy's a number one quarterback at the next level. He obviously oh. needs to get Jared Goff's hand masseuse um, <laughs> so that he can increase his hand size before the combine. Was it? Did, did Jared Goff grow it? Grow his hands half an inch from this from the end of the season to the combine because he was getting his hands massaged every day or something stupid like that. that is that genuinely true? I'm I, I, I'm frantically googling it to confirm it. But yeah. I'm fairly certain that I've I remember that being a story. Well done, Jared Goff. That's incredible. I was worried, Jord, or someone was going to bring that up because I'm pretty sure he's come out and said he's not going to have his hands measured at the combine either. So there's definitely something up there. And as Jord, I, I don't know if everybody knows that NFL balls are bigger. Is that a common fact? Like, do, do people know that? It's, I've, just, I've heard rumours. I've never held either one. <laughs> no, they are. They are genuinely bigger. They are genuinely bigger. Um I, I can so, I can confirm that Jared Goff's hands measured nine and one eighth inches at <laughs> Cal's Pro Day, which was three eighths of an inch larger than they measured at the combine. And this was largely put down to him having a daily hand masseuse. So there you go. Whilst whilst I don't want to interrupt Kenny Pickett's pro um weekend, maybe we should tweet him and just let him know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting because obviously we're talking about hand size and it's you know it's it's a bit of a joke, but it is a real thing. And he played through college wearing those two gloves, and the only guy we've seen do it in the NFL is is Teddy Bridgewater, and that was a knock on him in the draft. And they tried to get him to you know work out pro days without gloves on and things like that, and he basically couldn't throw without it. And it'll be interesting to see if NFL teams feel like the, the gloves is, is an issue and whether they try to get him to throw without them. So, guys, I'm going to throw you all on the spot here. Now we've gone through all of the quarterbacks, I want you all to rank them for me so I can watch them in that order. So we'll throw it over to George first. If you could rank them in current um, data without any of the pro days or anything like that, how would you rank them right now? 
At the moment, I'd go Howell, Willis, Corral, Pickett. Stocks. Joe, can I? Can I? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is, my actual favourite quarterback in this class isn't in this list, and uh, of the list there, I'm going to go Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, and who of Sam Howell. Just because I, I think he's probably the most. Yes, he's the most talented, but he could be the most boring, and we don't play this because it's boring, <laughs> right? Um, I am a massive Hendon Hooker fan. I don't know if he's declared for the draft. George, can you any any insight on that? Um, I think he did. did I'm, he I'm fairly sure he did. And him transferring out of Virginia Tech to Tennessee this year was absolutely outstanding. His draft stock, and. He does absolutely everything you want from your NFL quarterback. And he's just being slept on. So if you want somebody, if you've got a spare five minutes, Liam, go and watch no, a little bit of Hendon Hooker. He's, he's going back for 2022 yeah, season. He is. Yes. Marvellous stuff. We'll go and watch it anyway, because when he's <laughs> dialed in next year, you can say, I knew about this Hendon Hooker chat, because he's superb. I'll be honest, Doc, she panicked me there, because I've got, I've, I'm 20 quarterbacks in my list. I've watched 10, and I've never heard of him. So I was panicking. I was like, God, have I missed this this big name? But um, for me, Liam, um, so I've got them, shockingly, Malik Willis, one, Matt Corral, two, and then Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett, are three and four in a tier of their own. Right, Should we dive into some running backs? Yeah, let's go. So first of all on the list, Brees Hall running back, as we've already said. I don't know why I even bothered saying that. Um, Iowa State is 20 years old, 6'1", and 215 pounds. Um, coming over to I, – I lost my place there. Coming over to you, Stocks, first. What can you tell me about Brees Hall? So I want to start by saying – I don't, I don't, this is a bit of a tangent, guys, and I'm sorry. I know we are 39 minutes into the podcast already, but <laughs> I have questions related to fantasy. Obviously, we've seen the last few years there's been a running back coming out where we have said this guy's first-round pick in the NFL and also fantasy-related. Does that translate to – does the NFL draft position for you guys translate to your rookie picks? So, obviously, we've got Brees Hall, uh, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker – Kyron Williams, I am hugely high on. And again, he's not in this list, so I don't know who put this list together, but somebody <laughs> needs a good thrashing. Um, we've got these guys. Uh, <clears throat> none of them are projected first-round picks for um, for the NFL. Does that affect how you see them as fantasy prospects? Yeah, so can I, can I take that one, Liam? So um, without yeah, wanting to nerd out too much, so I have a, a rookie model which uh, for running backs and wide receivers, which accounts for probably about 60% of my kind of ranking. Um, to be very precise, um, draft pick contributes uh, 30% of my rookie model and draft round is 16%. So, uh, so draft capital as a whole is about 46% of my rookie model. Um, so yes, it's, it, it plays quite significantly where they're drafted in terms of how I feel. Obviously, you know, as a class overall, if if there's no running back drafted in the first round, then, you know, the, the whole class is dropped slightly. So it doesn't make a huge difference kind of overall. Um, but yeah, I, th I think draft capital, you know, is, is a, a big part of it. 
Um, but it's it's not the be all and end all, certainly. You know, for me, um, I, I created my rookie model before last year's draft, but going back two years, um, obviously CH went in the first round, but in my rookie model, he was actually the RB4 in that class. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it pays quite a bit, but it's not the be all and end all. I'm, I'm going to echo uh, what Rich said. So, um, go on then. Let's give us a bit of a Brees Hall rundown then, Starks. So I haven't seen a huge amount of Brees Hall. And I'm not yet convinced he is my number one running back in this class. However, as a running back prospect, Brees Hall for Iowa State has been phenomenal. You know, he's averaged 5.8 yards per carry last year, which is fairly good. 1,400 yards, 20 touchdowns. Also catches the ball well. Uh, is a very tough runner finds the gap, accelerates through the gap. He hasn't got that initial bang burst speed that perhaps you'd want. Whereas if you let him get to speed, he's got the breakaway. But yeah, Jordan might have a bit more on Brees Hall, but as a as a prospect, I think he has everything, but he, I'm not sure he does everything, anything elite. I could be wrong. No, I think um, <clears throat> that's the big thing with him, his, his breakaway speed, you know, like his speed, as soon as he gets the ball, you know, his vision out into the backfield is, is really good, but he needs a good defensive line to give him them gaps. You know, like if he, if he runs into somebody who doesn't really create, he, he just smashes into him and, and hasn't got the strength. But if you, if you've got a line that can open them gaps up, you know, them, you know, them, them running lanes, he's gone. He's, 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 he's unbelievable quickness and like I say his vision at the next level combined with that quickness is very dangerous I think for me the thing I love most is is kind of twofold his contact balance both in and out of breaks as a receiver in and out of you know moves behind the offensive line but also contact balance into into and out of ball uh, of tacklers is fantastic and I think that that's something that translates really well to the next level um, I also think as a receiver, I think he is a, a dangerous weapon in, in the open field. Um, and I think that not from what I've seen, not the most nuanced kind of route runner. But I think that in the open field, if a team can, you know, scheme him up in terms of those flares and, and get him the ball in the screen game, I think he'd be really, really good there. Um, I'm very, very high on Brees Hall. Um, perhaps a little too high at the moment. Um, so my rookie model's not not finished because it's not got the weight adjusted speed score from the combine, and it's obviously not got draft capital. But at the moment, he is a ninety second percentile prospect in my model. Um, to give you um, some some kind of rough idea, he's one spot ahead of Jonathan Taylor in terms of the pre draft model. Um, and yeah, it's 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 very very high. Um, I expect that to drop slightly once we add in weight adjusted speed score because I don't think he's going to be, you know, Jonathan Taylor running what was it a four three at two hundred and twenty pounds or whatever it was. Um, but I I think he's got top ten fantasy potential. I think he, as you said, he is a true workhorse bell cow three down back. Um, I'm I'm very excited about him potentially at the next level if we get that early day early day two draft capital I think I'll be all in 
So, so uh, let's on move the, on then. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on then, Rich. Um, Isaiah Spiller's the next running back on the list. Texan that he's coming from Texas A and M. Uh, twenty years old, six one, and two hundred twenty-five pounds. Throwing it over to you, Jord. Um, what can you tell me about Spiller? I've heard the name, but as usual, no research. Um, I will say he is my running back one out of these three, but it's so, so, so close. I think I wouldn't argue with anyone how they want to put these three. You know, like I think it's it's in in what they do. It's different things they do. But what I like about Isaiah Spiller, he hasn't got the speed. He's got decent speed. He's not like, but he's no Brees Hall or anything like that. But he creates, he creates so much stuff himself. You know, he's um, he's he's jukes so and like his steps are unbelievably and he keeps up that speed when it when he's doing that you know and just be able to create your own things but i know rich mentioned priest hall in the past in, in you know as a as a you know a receiver but i think his spell is better as a receiver to be honest with you. i think um he lines up he could actually be a receiver at times he lines up as a receiver and he, he, he runs some nice routes and actually throw it up to him on on the outside you know and he comes out with catches but yeah I, I, apart from his his lack of speed at times i i, I think he's a, a well-rounded um running back and um he's obviously physical as well so I know, I know how much you like Bruce Horvich, so I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> I think I think for me, Isaiah Spiller, is, he's good at everything, but I don't see elite traits. And I think that I I worry that he's just going to be a bit of a plodder at the next level. And that's not, not to describe his running style. I think he is, you know, as you said, a, a, a good, versatile three-down back, but I just don't think he's ever going to be fantastic. Whereas... You know, and, and perhaps I'm revealing quite a lot about what I like in terms of rookies. I I think Brees Hall's got that potential. I mean, Stocks, do you think Spiller's just going to be a bit of a, a nothing kind of plodder type? Uh, I, that's a very harsh <laughs> line, Rich. I, I think you need to come up with something a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit kinder. Because like George said, Isaiah Spiller is a good receiver. He does. He's very much opposite to Brees Hall. If Brees Hall can get up to speed, he's got the elite end speed and vision in the secondary to be gone whereas Spiller has explosive burst great jump cuts uh, as George mentioned and he's got good vision find the hole let the blocks develop and then he's gone so whilst he might not get that 70 yard touchdown run that Brees Hall might get he he can also he makes his own short yardage to start with whereas Brees Hall perhaps sometimes doesn't so the fact that he can create that yardage, wait for the gap, and then bang, he's gone. Yes, he might not get to the touchdown, but I think perhaps he might get into that secondary more often than Hall does because of his explosiveness to start with. So, like George said, I think you could have these guys pretty much in, in any order, really. Maybe I'm gonna, Kenny Walker's the next guy we're going to talk about, and I think perhaps his receiving skills slightly let him down a little bit. He did a bit this year, but not enough for me to have him number one, but I think for Spiller and, and Brees Hall, I don't think there's much between them, except it depends whether you want your running back to be fast at the end or at the beginning. Well, as Stocks has already mentioned, the next guy, we may, may as well move on. So Kenneth Walker, uh, he's coming out of Michigan State, 21 years old, 5'10", 200 pounds. George, coming back to you, what can you tell me about this running back? 
I think Stocks has got a bit of a love, love fest for him, and, and I can definitely see why. I think you're absolutely right. The, the only knock for me on Kenneth Walker is obviously I haven't seen enough of his receipt. We haven't seen enough of his receiving talents. There's been players that have gone to the NFL that actually have no receiving, like you know, data, you know, like um, clips, and they've ended up being a good receiver. So if that's something that he can improve on. He could easily be number one here. That's the reason why he's, he's number three out of them three for me. Nothing to do with what he can do is with the ball. It's just receiving. But with the ball, he's, he's fast. He's He's got nasty cuts as well. He's, he's probably the best cutter out of these three. He's, he keeps up his speed as well, you know, when he's doing these cuts as well. He's so creative as well with it, you know. The only thing, another thing that he lets down, he's very patient, sometimes over patient in the backfields, you know, like waiting for, waiting for like the lanes to develop. But there's not much I could say that's bad. But Kenneth Walker, I I really like him. I, I won't, I'll stop talking now because I know Stocks is a big big fan of big fan of his. Uh, listen, I I watched Kenny Walker when he <laughs> had the game of his life, and it, it it I don't know whether I mentioned it in the five yard chat completely or it was in the book in the college chat, but I just mentioned him said. Why is nobody talking about this Kenneth Walker chap? He's just absolute. I think it was the game against Michigan, Jord, or Michigan. Yeah, was it earlier in the season? I mean, he he's had a few. He's had a few good games. <laughs> yeah, he did. I think he it was destroyed Rutgers season. as well, didn't he? Yeah, maybe it was Rutgers. There was one game where it might have been Rutgers. Did he have four touchdowns? Was that the game against Rutgers where he had four touchdowns? Yeah, I think... And I just, I, I just remember messaging the college guys and like. This guy's got explosiveness behind the line. His cuts are, his cuts are nasty. Got good vision. He's got good patience. Sometimes, like George said, the patience is a bit too much. But you know, a little bit of a slap on the on the butt cheek and can get him up there a bit quicker. Maybe I, yeah, I think he's a good prospect. I just think we need to see more of him receiving. He did some this year. I think he had one receiving touchdown maybe this year. Maybe two. Not many. Has good hands. Hasn't seen it. Are we going to see it at the next level? Don't know. But as a early downs back, he's good to go. I think he's, you know, he's got that kind of slight one-year one wonder appeal to him. I think he's, as you said, this this receiving usage. And it's, it's hard to slam him because it's not like Michigan State were using somebody else. They they just didn't pass to, to, the, uh, to the running backs at all. He had a decent market share. But I, I, I just concerned that I know I, th- I think pass blocking gets overhyped when we talk about running backs at the next level. Um, but he, he basically doesn't want to block, quite frankly. I think he's it's almost like he's slightly scared to block, shall I say, which seems slightly <laughs> ridiculous for a guy playing in college. But I think he, he's got the potential to be properly elite and he's got everything, as you've said, stocks. I just I worry that that pass protection issues and lack of proven receiving work could cap his kind of fancy potential. You know, we've seen with Josh Jacobs where he struggled to get receiving work and it's capped his ceiling. And and I think that that, that could be, you know, the, the, the potential for someone like Kenny Walker um, over the next couple of years. That's fair. Rich, have you seen any of Kyron Williams before we move on? I have. I have seen plenty. Um, I think that he's he's got some interesting skills and I think I'm I'm very excited about him. I just think that 
he, for me, he, he's he's basically James White, and I just think that I think he's probably going to fall to third day, if I can be honest. And I think for me, that caps his his fantasy ceiling because I don't think he's going to be anything more than a kind of passing game third down type type back. Tell me I'm wrong, or no, no, I he I'm very much his uh, flag bearer, and I <laughs> I. I think you're exactly right. I just want more for him, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I feel like the guy's father, so I, I want more for my boy in the NFL. But I think he can do everything. I just think you're right. I think he's going to get he's going to get shoehorned into a position, and we may lose him to the to the running backs that can do a bit more. Is he a Kenneth Gainwell type from last year, Rich? With my love for him as a draft prospect, I think Kenny Gainwell could do more. In the running game, uh, I think Kenny Gay is an all-round back. I think he's, I think he, 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 you know, the potential is there. You know, we've seen the likes of Duke Johnson, Tariq Cohen have elite fantasy seasons, and and he's got that potential. But I worry that he's never going to be anything more than like a forty percent kind of market share back in in a backfield. I think he's only ever going to be a one B. I'm still holding that hope for. Uh... Kenneth Gainwell, as as you'd expect. Let's move on to the wide receivers, though, guys. So we'll start with um, Traylon Burks coming out of Arkansas, 21 years old, 6'3", 232 pounds. Now, I have um, a league with uh, one of the guys that I talked to quite a bit, and he's a massive Arkansas fan. So I've seen highlight after highlight after highlight about Traylon Burke. So he's probably the only one that I've actually seen anything on out of this list. Um, from what I know, he looks insane. But I want to throw it over to you guys as the experts. Jord, <laughs> <laughs> what can you as the expert say rather than me, the highlights watcher right now? Use that um, use that word lightly, please. Um, <laughs> Traylon, Traylon Burks is... <sighs> I suppose a bit similar to Malik Willison, like his ceiling is, is really high, you know, like, but we haven't, we've seen, like I say, we have seen some great highlights from him. You know, he's, he's a real chess piece, you know, he, he can line up anywhere, anywhere, you know, he's even in backfield at times for, for Arkansas. Um, but yeah, he's got the, he's got the size, he's got the speed. He's a bit, I suppose a bit similar to DK Metcalf, but just not as fast, you know, like he's a really stocky lad, you know, like he uses his size, not the best on his route running, but does enough separation with with this with his speed and acceleration just to get enough room, and that's all he needs, you know, with a little bit of room and um, a little bit of separation. Sorry, and and he's got it. But the, that's the thing; he's got. You see all these good highlights, and I'm, I'm the quarterback at Arkansas, KJ Jefferson. I, I, I do like him. I think he's a big fan, but he's still way off where he is. So he's, he's thrown a lot of bad balls, and he's. <laughs> And so he's always put him in bad situations. So it could be even what I'm trying to say is this could be even more from Traylon Burks. And I think there is a lot more in there. And I think we're just scratching the surface of how good he actually is. I feel like um, I'm about to have a bit of a rant, so I apologise. But um, I think I, 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 I don't disagree. I don't disagree with anything you said, Jordan. But for me, this is what it drives me mental about the fantasy community and the dynasty community particularly is that every year we hype up these, what I, I want to, I, I call them the Calvin Johnson rule where we basically look at a guy and we say he's six, three, six, four, he's ripped to shreds. He's fast. He's two thirty plus pounds. Like he's, he's a physical freak and we overhype them. 
And it's like, when was the last time we had someone that was that good and elite from a fantasy perspective? We hyped up DK Metcalf 18 months ago to be the overall dynasty wide receiver one. And it's 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 not worked. You know, it, it happens every year. And I like Traylon Burks. I get what you're saying. I think that, you know, it's, it's hard not to love the size. It's hard not to love the speed. I think he, you know, he initiates contact, which is lovely to see. But this is a guy that ran almost exclusively out of the slot. And it's like, I don't think at the NFL level, I think he's a below average route runner. And I think that he can't run out of the slot at the NFL level. So are we going to move him outside? And he's going to play as, you know, a traditional split end X receiver. Well, he, he didn't run against press because he ran out of the slot. I've not seen him do that. So that's pure projection. So I'm basically taking a guy that, that's got some incredible tools and could be unbelievable if he puts everything together. But it's it's a lot of projection. And I just think that you know, it's, it's the Chase Claypool theory over Deontay Johnson. People looked at Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and goes, one of them's six foot three, 230 plus pounds. That guy's going to be the better NFL receiver. And it just doesn't work like that because for me, unless Traylon Burks can consistently separate and improve his route running massively, I'm concerned that he's going to be overhyped and underdeliver. Stocks, do you, do you think I'm I'm taking things too far? Listen, I myself last year in the playbook was very much um, not a victim. I compared definitely somebody to Megatron, and it, it's a it compare. <clears throat> obviously, we we all want to trace chase that dream. There has to be somebody to compare to somebody, and and I think you're right. Maybe we should stop beating that horse now, but. Yeah, I think for me, if I'm going to go for a guy who's an out... Now, listen, my number one receiver in this class is Drake London. We may or may not have time to talk about him today. If we don't, I'm coming back specifically to talk Drake London. And I'm going to bring Ash with me because we're going to invade and we're going to tell you all that Drake London is the number one receiver in this class. However, if you're going to have an outside guy and you want either him, uh, sorry, Drake London or Traylon Burks, I'm taking London because I think he separates better at the top of his roots. And then he's got better yards after the catchability. So for me, Drake London is the better outside guy. I, I, I don't disagree. I think I've, I'm still very early in my receivers. I've, I've finished my quarterback study. I've finished my running back study. I've literally watched one game of each of these receivers. So I'm, I'm, I'm not there having a full rounded opinion yet. But I, I agree with you. I think the only th- concern I've got about Drake London is perhaps that lack of elite speed um but to me i think he's the prototypical x receiver i think he's going to catch you know 100 120 balls every year for the next five ten years i'm, I'm really excited about drake london jordan you are you coming to you as as the one pack 12 guy in this <laughs> in this bunch are you as high on, on drake london as the rest of the guys yeah i, I am i think he's like what you mentioned with trail on burks coming out of the slot that's what he did a lot but this year he showed that he can play even more outside as well and and I get what you're saying about speed separation but if you haven't got the speed you win with the what you've got and that's what that's what Drake London does he's so big and physical and at the at the top of his catch you know you know he's just how he you know his body control you know with coming down with the ball and stuff all that is just brilliant 
and he doesn't need to win with, with speed. And even his, his route running can be a lot sharper. He's, he's not. He's not. He's probably a little bit better than Jalen Burks, but he's. It's not. It's not. It's not um, smooth. But he doesn't need to be. Like I know. Like I always forget that I'm only talking through a draft perspective and stuff sometimes. But so I get. I get your what, what you're saying. But just throw it up to Drake London. He's coming down with it. I, I, I stand by that. And, and, and George, you'll back me up with this as well. You get players who are the team. This year, USC was Drake London. Drake London was USC. I think he had, this could be wrong, but it's either 43 or 37% of his total team targets this year and, and still produced. So everybody knew it was going to Drake London. And then they couldn't cover him. And it was only the injury that stopped him having the season of all seasons and that's that's probably hyperbole he he didn't but drake london is for me the best prospect and and when you can put a team that isn't performing like usc it's one thing to say um jamal chase was the one receiver and he put uh, lsu on his back in their dominant year yeah but drake london put usc on his back when they weren't playing very well and was still productive so for me that is far more important as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree with that. So we'll move on to the last person we're going to talk about today. Uh, I know we had a couple more planned, but we're already in a, over an hour, and I'm pretty sure we could talk about half an hour on these wide receivers, guys. So last person, we'll stay, stick with um, wide receiver, and Garrett Wilson is the next prospect um, coming out of Ohio State. 21 years old, six foot and 193 stocks. I know you love Drake London, but is there anything you can tell me about Garrett Wilson? So I want to start by saying I wish Ash was here because he is the big Buckeyes fan and Wilson and Alave are, I don't want to do them a disservice and I feel like Ash would do them a better, do better for them because I, again, Garrett Wilson, he's got, he's, very, very fast. He's got that game-breaking speed. Does run his routes quite well. Very sudden in and out of his breaks, which perhaps make up for one of the points Rich is going to bring up a little bit later. But I'm not, not too worried about that, Rich. His speed, what he does have for a smaller... I'm just going to... Rich, I'm going to ruin your point. He is a smaller receiver. But what he has for that small size is he's got very, very good body control. So in a 50-50 catch contested situation... He might be smaller or on par size with the DB, but he gets his body and hands in the right position. So he can negate some of that size difference with his hands and body control. He, It's difficult to pick between Alave and Wilson if you want to pick one of them. Uh, Rich is shaking his head for the audio listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rich, who would you prefer then? Because for me, they offer different things. So it was very much a, a Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb thing for me for these two. Uh, and that's not a talent evaluation. I'm just saying that there's a comparison of the two. If you wanted a root guy, you went after Judy. If you wanted after the bigger guy, you got C.D. Of the two, who have you got ahead then? I've got, I've, I've not ranked my wide receivers yet because I've not, I've not um, got, got, got put me into them. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. From, from the film I've watched, Garrett Wilson is miles above Alave. I think that Garrett Wilson is an elite route runner. I am really excited about him. I think he is the type of guy that people don't hype because of his size and people say, oh, well, he's only small. But to me, he's a Deontay Johnson type receiver 
in that he can just get open. And I think that that is a talent and a trait that is going to project really well to the NFL level. I think he could fit on any team in the NFL. And yes, he is slighter, but I don't think that's a big issue. I think that he's a guy that gets open, has great ability. His ability to get in and out of breaks is phenomenal. Um, I was reading earlier that he was basically a Division One potential basketball player. And having heard that and then watched his film, that com- makes complete sense because his ability to, you know, stop, start and change direction is obscene. And I think that for me, from what I've watched and I've not got into the data and all that side of things, he's my wide receiver one in this class. I really think he's he's going to be phenomenal. George, are, are, you, are you a Wilson guy or are you an Olave guy? Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Wilson guy and that's not a knock on Olave. It's like, it's just what Alave is, and with Alave, like I say, he's, he's he's got some really good traits. But for me personally, I don't know if you agree. At the next level, you need a, a really accurate passer because he hasn't got the um, the reach, you know, the length to like if someone's off target to to make the grabs and things like that. Garrett Wilson can just I haven't really got much of a knock on Garrett Wilson. I think he can really do it all. This stuff he can polish, you know, like his routes, but his route running is still really good. Just polish stuff up and be an an even better receiver. Like I said, there's not much I can say. Knock on Garrett Wilson and Wilson and London are, are, are just two guys at the top for me compared to the other three. And it's just what do you want? Physical or someone who can win at all three levels and a nice route runner. Do you think that so I've I've seen some some mock drafts that are talking up Garrett Wilson as the kind of likely first guy to be drafted. Do you think that he's got top 10, 15 potential, or do you think that that would be reaching um come come NFL Sunday? No, I, I think I think I can see him going top top fifteen. Um maybe if maybe not top ten, but we've known what the draft's like. You know, if someone wants to go up and get him, if he's still there at nine, eight, nine, they might do. But I, I can see him staying, staying in Ohio. You know, at Cleveland. To be honest with you, I can see him going to number thirteen. Is that you're giving the thumbs up there, stocks? You quite like that that landing spot, do you? Yeah, I think from every mock we've done uh, personally, we did one. Obviously, you guys have done one. It's very much a defensive class this year. If people want to go up for the quarterbacks, they're going to go up for the quarterbacks. There's um, a bit of offensive tackle or one offensive tackle that will go really high, if not number one, and, and in my opinion, should. After that, I think I don't think top 10 is just not the season for a wide receiver to go top 10. Top 15, definitely. Garrett Wilson has that potential, and I think staying in Ohio and going to Cleveland is pretty much as perfect as it gets for Garrett Wilson. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, uh, we'll, we'll finish it there. I know stocks are devastated because you had a couple more receivers to talk about, but uh, but we're already running long, so we'll, we'll cut it short. Um, stocks, George, where can uh, where can everybody find you? I'm sure everybody listening hopefully already knows and uh, and listens along to the college pod, but uh, but where can the guys find your work? Well, I mean, if you aren't listening to the college pod and you thought I'd completely vaporised from the five-yard scenery, you are hugely mistaken. I've just moved over to the five-yard college side. So if you aren't listening, come over to listen. It's primarily me and Ash, but Jord is making more and more of an appearance. Um, if you are a Pac-12 fan like Jord, come and let yourself known to Jord's Twitter, which is at JordM87 or just at five-yard college. Come talk some Pac-12 after dark. I know Jord would hugely appreciate 
some fellow Pac-12 love because Ash and I continually bash him down for it and he still keeps coming back, so glutton for punishment, possibly Jordan, not sure. But yeah, um, Jordan and the other writers, uh, Jack, Jake, absolutely smashed it in the season for for their previews, for the uh, reviews for the weeks in and out of their divisions. And then there's some player profiles, which, hands up, is my fault, Jordan. haven't got on the site yet, but Jordan's already dropping player profiles and... I don't know if we talked about any today, George, that we could get on the website for people to... You haven't provided anybody in this list yet, have you? No. no. There's only one not, even, not even Drake London. <laughs> not even Drake London. So, yeah, we we tend to drop the podcast video on a Wednesday night. Uh, it might now be a Monday night because Ash tends to be marauding up Middle Earth in the middle of the week. So it might be Mondays. But, yeah, at Five Yard Colleges on Twitter, uh, George is at M 87 if you want to talk to him as well. I know he's keen for interaction on Twitter, so that's always good. And then, yeah, come listen to the podcast and watch the video on a Wednesday. Sounds perfect. And, and I will say the uh, the player profiles last year were absolutely incredible, so I'm very much looking forward to them uh, them dropping this year. Um, if, if you want to read more on, uh, on on not just skill position players, but, but the entire... NFL Draft, go and check out the guys. They're doing fantastic work. Um, Liam and I will be back next week. We have got a very exciting guest lined up for you. Um, we're going to be talking through some some Dynasty cells, I believe, next week. Um, buys. Yeah, Dynasty, Dynasty, buys. Dynasty buys next week. Some, uh, Michael Thomas! <laughs> uh, we're, 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 let, we're letting our guests decide who we're talking about. So, uh, so yeah, tune in next Tuesday because uh, we've really got a, a fantastic guy lined up. But thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching, those of you that were. And we will see you again next week. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.